the Growth Happens Dawn to Dusk podcast with Matt Devitt. He talks with people about their journey, where they succeeded and failed to help others on their quest. We're all on a journey that starts and ends every day. This is when we grow between dawn and dusk. And now your host, Matt Devitt. Welcome to the Growth Happens Dawn to Dust podcast, where I will be speaking with awesome people about their journey and sharing their perspective. I'm super excited to kick off my podcast with Aaron Reichert. Aaron is a fantastic artist of sizable black and white portraits from New Orleans. We discuss his view on the business of art, setting time to do work, and how a hobby, well, became more than a hobby. Enjoy. Hey, I just wanted to start recording because if I forget, I'm sure that will more than likely happen. Oh, yeah, but no, no I, I I completely agree. I mean, I uh, I was playing outside yesterday with my daughter, you know, doing the whole tobogganing kind of stuff up around here. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I take her to daycare this morning and it's like five degrees out. I'm like, what? I'm like, I could handle, you know, 2025. But but um, no, I agree. Uh, yeah, how many kids do you have? Just one. So just the daughter. She just turned two. So it's... Oh, sweet. Uh, my sister has a kid that's about that age. Okay. Actually, Cliff has a kid about that age. A lot of okay. people I know have two-year-olds at present. Yeah, I think uh, I think we all put it on the back burner until we were just like, I think we should do something about that. <laughs> so. Yeah, I hear you, man. No, I never did get around to that. <laughs> it's always, there's always time. I suppose. <laughs> there's, al- yeah. there's, there's always time, as they say, so... <laughs> But no, Maybe. I just wanted to say uh, definitely thanks, man. I mean, I'm uh, I'm looking forward yeah. to to starting this uh, this this little podcasting journey out on my own. It's a, a way yeah. for me to kind of you know scratch a a kind of creative itch, and and my creativity cool. is definitely not in the same realm as yours. I uh, I can barely pull off uh, stick figures with my daughter with crayons, so. Um, <laughs> You know, I'm just trying oh, to play, find something that uh, that might work for me. So, yeah, well, I was just very pleased to hear. But I'm always happy when people have uh, are just creating anything. You know, it's just the effort to make anything. I think is laudable because it's it's easy to not do it. You know, it's easy to there's ten thousand legitimate excuses not to do things, and so when people sort of insist on doing something anyway, I, I think it's it's a great thing. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, so when you come up with those, I mean, you 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 act in uh, an awesome, you know, creative sphere, you know, that you've created on your own for just your artwork, which I got to admit, I mean, since you had the, I believe it was Tommy Lee Jones that was up <laughs> in the front office from way, way back in the day in I high school. About that. Um, I don't know why, but for some reason... It. Yeah, well, I didn't know it was unfinished, but I mean, that was, it's for some reason that like just that style and the fact that you've been able to, you know, uh, maybe mastered isn't the right word. I don't know how you feel about that, but you know, you've continued to refine, um, you know, that style that I saw there. I mean, I found awesome. So, you know, when you're talking about starting something and all the excuses, I mean, I'm sure you've come into this. So how do you like, how do you get yourself over that hump? Well, honestly, I just got tired of it. I, I got tired of, um, of being fearful and doubting and, and, uh, you know, you may say yourself and there's plenty of people that may say you, even if it's not necessarily like they're, they're mean about it, but just little, little comments that kind of 
take the wind out of your sails or whatever, especially when you're doing artwork and stuff. Well, anything that's personal, you know, it's easy to, mm-hmm. you want to protect yourself, right? Like you want to protect that little ego. So it's, it's very easy to be derailed. Um, but anyway, my point is just at a certain point with a lot of things, I just, there, there comes a, a morning where I just am like, oh, the hell with it. I'm sick of being afraid of this thing. So I'm going to do something today. Um, in one way, in one, to one degree or another, you know, mm-hmm. that's really the best I can say at that, you know, I just get tired of being, uh, at a certain point of being doubtful and fearful and you just kind of take the jump, you know, whatever they say, take the plunge. Right. Yeah, it sounds like when you look at the uh, like the balance of scales, it's almost the the if you were to weigh pain, for lack of a better word, you know, the pain of not doing something starts to outweigh the potential pain you might get from, like you said, you know, the the slings and arrows that come from people's comments. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, and and sometimes just the sheer passage of time, you know, like you, it's, it's helpful. It's like a wake up call. And when you realize that, oh, shoot, time actually is passing and, oh, shoot, I don't have, you know, all the time in the world and, and this isn't going to just happen on its own kind of thing. But I, I should also add that that's, you know, you never know exactly when is the significant thing, you know, like in your in your own personal history. I mean, I suppose there are certain things like the birth of a child and a marriage or whatever where it's obvious, yes, okay, this is a big crossroads which is right. why so much is made of it but oftentimes the crossroads that you come to are not really apparent you know you just get to, have to kind of act on faith and then maybe looking back you can say you know oh that that thing that happened that kind of changed everything you know um so my point is simply that you know making that decision to act might you know, you may fall on your face and there's not going to be like a, a success. But if you do that enough, I feel like eventually, you know, success happens or, you know, personal success anyway, which is what really matters, of course. So, um, no, that makes that does make a lot of sense. And, and, you know, one of the one of the items I've been thinking about as far as trying to structure, you know, how this podcast goes is, you know, as you talked about the journey itself and, and you know, the mm-hmm. ups and downs that comes from it the so looking back on yourself you know when you bring up these experiences or you know the the potential failures that come from them i mean do you have one that comes to mind where you know you know at the time it was not a you know sunshine and and rainbows kind of experience but you know having distance you know physical time and and potentially even Mm -hmm. physical distance from it you know you found that it actually provided so much more for you to work with in the future Oh, for sure. For sure. And that's, I I have an example I always bring up, but that is such a crucial point. Um, I feel like with any kind of endeavor is to weather those setbacks, of course. I mean, it's simplistic, obviously, but it does not feel simplistic when it's you in the midst of it. Um, But like, for instance, I always think of this time when I had just started doing I had uh, a lot of work that I had just been doing kind of as a hobby, right? And I just decided that I would take a shot and see how far I could get with um, showing it and whether it would have any, um, whether it would go anywhere, you know, professionally, if anyone would buy these things. 
So I went out to the gallery district in New Orleans, one of them, and I just had a CD with a graphic on it, and I gave it, I went into different galleries and gave it to really probably only maybe eight of the galleries, which I should have uh, been better about. I should have given it to all of them, but I was, you know, insecure and felt foolish, and so I only gave it to eight. But anyway, I got a call back a couple of days later from a, one or two of them, and one of them I couldn't quite believe because it was such a fancy place. So I went in there, and I showed them my work, and they expressed a sort of, like, tentative interest, being that I was completely unknown and, you know, didn't have a master's in art or anything like that. But they liked, they liked it enough. So they thought they put me on the wall in the back of the gallery in basically their storage room. And the idea was that, you know, if they had clients that liked, you know, portraits and things, that they would say, oh, maybe you'd be interested in this, maybe, you know. So it wasn't exactly like front and center, huge exposure. But I was happy to, to have it because I was so impressed with the gallery. Anyway, the gallery was, uh, it didn't really go anywhere. And it ended up getting kind of derailed by this other opportunity that came up where a fellow approached me and said, hey, we'd like to do a show. We'd like to do a solo show for you. And I said, well, let's talk about it. It sounds cool. And the next day, he put out this email to, like, everybody in town and all over the country because he knew all these people saying he was going to do this big solo show. <laughs> and, of course, one of the recipients was the owner of the gallery where I just started showing my work. And I found out, you know, I got a call from them, and they were very terse, and they said, well, I guess you found somebody else to show your work, so I guess maybe you should come and get the paintings that you have here. And I was so alarmed because I said, no, 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 this guy, he just kind of went ahead and did this thing, and uh, well, he said we're going to talk, but he just made this decision, and I'll tell him to cancel it. And they said, no, no, no. And so I was just like, oh, dude, I just lost this amazing gallery, you know, and it's so fancy. Mm -hmm. Yep. in this great part of town with this other guy who I don't even know. <laughs> who knows what this is going to be. But in hindsight, I'm so glad that that happened because it led to other things down the road. And because I was no longer with the fancy gallery, I was free to take these things. See, a lot of galleries, you know, get in there, and then they just, like, you know, they want everything, every decision you make to go through them. I mean, they can be that way. And when mm -hmm. you're starting you're just so grateful to have somebody making you money that you just go along with it and you can become very like um, kind of cowed about, you know, protesting at all or whatever you say, you know, do whatever you mm -hmm. like. So I'm so glad that that one didn't work out because I could have potentially just been there and stunted and they wouldn't have really shown the work very much. And I probably would have just gotten frustrated and, and just gotten out of it at a certain point. But at the time, you, can't, you don't see that. I mean, that was years ago. So. Yeah, yeah. I completely, completely. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's an awesome epitome of at the time, you know, you're dealing with, you know, just the, the discomfort of, you know, like you said, I mean, the, you have to work through the gallery. And so there's a level of security that probably comes yeah. with that. And, uh, but at the same time, you know, if you want the, the freedom that it sounds like you enjoy, to yeah. you know, kind of not really come and go as you please, you know, it's not going to be a great way to phrase it, but at least where you can put more of your whole thumbprint on the decision, mm -hmm. 
um, you know, definitely seems like it's paid off by, you know, basically having this oops from a, from an email way back in the day, um, mm -hmm. opened up those doors to where you could kind of, you know, really, you know, implant your, your name on that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, you just, I think you have to follow what feels right too, and, but it's kind of hard to do that when you are just getting by, of course, right? So right. you got to get, I don't know, I, I felt from the very beginning I had to get past just getting by as soon as I could, you know, like, because it just gets easier the more leverage you feel you have. Mm -hmm. Um and so when you're first starting, you know, that, that phase can go on indefinitely. You know, that phase of, of dependence um, can go on indefinitely if you don't, you know, find some way to, you know, to uh, create a little bit of professional leverage. Um, and I actually don't really know the answer to that <laughs> exactly, except to just um, keep it in your mind that... You know, you will ask for like raises every so often, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, not to simply just take what you know what is given to you. If especially if if it's a strain, you know, especially if you're like, my God, I can barely pay my bills with this amount that I'm making. So I don't know. No, it, it, it makes sense. There was a yeah. uh, there was a statement a while back. Uh, I can't remember if it was read or if it was at a meeting I was in where somebody was talking about, or, or sorry, they actually asked the question to the group of, you know, what's the difference between money and air? And the answer he gave the group was, you don't think about either one of them until they start to run out. Yeah. And, and, I, and I found that to be very, very interesting because as much as, you know, there's the, yeah. the capitalist side of things and so on and so forth. But I mean, until, and it sounds like from your perspective, like until you can really get your head above water, and start yeah. to look around and see what's going on. It, it's it, you know you've created all this other difficulty in addition to um, you know creating your end product, whatever that might be, and whatever endeavor you're going into. Yeah. Well, so it's, it's, like I met. Oh. No, 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 no. There was a very colorful guy that I met at one point in New Orleans, and he he. Uh, He's not alive anymore, but he was um, an interesting fellow that happened to live next door to me. And um, one point, you know, he worked in uh, what did he do exactly? He he sold like you know high-end antique paintings, like I don't even know what you would say exactly, but they were like Picassos and stuff to you know very wealthy clients and everything. And okay. anyway, at one point, he said to me. If you find yourself in a slump, uh, raise your prices. And then he kind of gives a pause and he says, that's a little free advice. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> okay, but the point is, I, I think well taken, you know, because in uh, in art, you know, you are so insecure and you're always worried, like, is anyone really going to, you know, buy this? You get really insecure when you put a price tag on this thing you've made and mm -hmm. you think, um, you know, is anyone really going to spend this much money? Like, and uh, you just have to have that confidence. Like, all right, well, if they don't, maybe uh, I should just push the price up and then they'll buy it, damn it, <laughs> or whatever. So, I don't know. It's a very, uh, it's a very interesting uh, idea as far as, like, with when you kind of think about luxury items, right? It's like, what's the difference between, mm -hmm. like, 
a duffel bag and a coach purse. Now, full disclosure, obviously I'm a guy and I have no idea what the difference actually is. So to <laughs> me, like I couldn't tell the difference in pricing between those two, but they're not really targeting me. Right. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's some pretty interesting advice that your, uh, your friend definitely gave you. Is that so within the, I'll say the art interest industry is this you know huge over encompassing thing, but with, in the part of the industry that you're in, is that something that has kind of always been there since you've been working within that industry as far as like trying to like, uh, I, I guess like establish price and stuff like that? Or has there really been something oh, yeah. that's changed as far as with kind of like that pricing interface or that interaction that takes place? Well, the, the best thing about being with the gallery is that they are interested in making money too, right? So you kind of have like a okay. person to bounce your, you know, to bounce the business off of, and they can kind of tell you, well, this sort of work, you know, without you having to be there and be the business yourself, you know, they can say, well, this work is getting a lot of attention. This work isn't getting as much attention. And in, to, a certain, to a certain degree, you can, you know, sort of steer and strategize, okay, well, if this work is getting good attention, then perhaps it would be good from a financial standpoint to do more of that or to develop that. And also, you know, they are going to want to try to get you and themselves, you know, more money for what you do. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, there's, there's constantly, I feel like, a, uh, an assessment of, of where you're at and where you'd like to go financially. Um, but what's nice is that once you have a little bit of a track record, like for instance, every time there comes a point where I think, well, maybe I'll adjust my prices and maybe push this up a little more. And for about, I don't know, for, for a period of time afterwards anyway, you are pretty insecure, at least I am, like, okay, mm-hmm. things are expensive, more expensive now. Will people still buy them? And then once you make a few sales, you realize, okay, good. All right, well, this is great. All right. It's like I just got a nice little raise. Right. Um, uh, so once you have that, then you don't have to worry about your prices anymore is what I'm saying. Like um, like if somebody comes to you and wants to buy a painting, it's like, okay, well, the paintings are this much. You know, what are you thinking? This is how much they cost. You can basically take it or leave it. But right. when you're first starting, it's kind of like you have to just sort of say, uh, well, this much, what do you think? Uh, you know, you Right, in the most in the most in the most confident wishy washy kind of (laughs) way that you you can do it from right best you can, and yeah. But once you have a few that that go, then you're good because you're like, all right, this is what they sell for now, and you know whether you buy it or not, somebody else will. And I don't know. No, it makes sense. I mean, you're you're effectively you know creating a floor for which Mm -hmm. you can you know work off from. So with with galleries in general, like how, so when I hear gallery from you talking about it, to me, it sounds similar to, let's say like, you know, an agency or, you know, something of that nature, or like if I was a consultant, um, mm-hmm. you know, somebody that could, you know, share my name out there so I could do engineering work or something like that. Um, how, so how do you go about evaluating uh, just a gallery just to make sure? Cause I, oh. I like the idea that you bring up that you're both business partners, but like, how do you mm-hmm. kind of do that to make sure you're at least aligned with each other? Um, well, ideally, you would be like the best experiences I've had with galleries have come through 
placement through other artists that I respect, um, basically like being referred, you know. Okay. So like I, you know, gallery I'm in, I'm in now, you know, I had several reference. I mean, I've got three galleries right now, but but uh, the one I'm in locally here, um, you know, there were like three references from people that I knew. One of which who had worked, he would shown there for like at least I think 20 years or more. So they had a heck of a lot of experience. And plus, I knew the gallery because it's absolutely gorgeous, you know, right in the French Quarter, and it's hard to miss, you know. If you what's what's the name of the gallery? That one's Angela King Gallery. Okay. It's right on Royal Street in the French Quarter. I mean, absolutely gorgeous and beautiful part of town. And I mean, I I knew about the gallery. You know, basically, as soon as I moved here, uh, just from riding by one time. Anyway, so I knew damn well that that was a place I would love to be in. Right. And, um, you know, so there's that. When you're local, it's it's kind of easier. But when you're looking at things like regionally, um, the two regional galleries I'm in right now, um, well, actually, one I did just find on my own. But the other one uh, was, I was referred to them, you know. So it's just kind of what I what I sort of do is if it's a cold, if it's a totally cold situation and you don't really know the gallery, uh, I always start off kind of sending them two pieces, see how they do. If they can sell the two pieces or even one, then maybe I'll send them another two, and mm-hmm. just kind of you know be, be, proceed with a bit of caution because yeah, sometimes you do get burned, but um, you know just. That's basically it. And if it doesn't feel right, you just pull back and move on. <laughs> you know. And so uh, a lot of those contracts that you end up having with the the gallery, I'm assuming it's really piece by piece. Well, I guess I mean it depends on how creative they want to get with the the contract and the arrangement between everybody. I mean, I mean, yeah. could you do something over like a duration of time as well, and then also or so many pieces or something of that nature? Yeah, you you could. I, I it's all you can work particulars out. Like obviously with any contract or whatever, but yeah. it's, it's pretty standard. You know how imaginative do you want to get? Yeah, I mean the business is very is almost totally standard. It's it's very um, unusual for the at least the business and the percentage to be like some surprise. So then it's mm-hmm. just a question of how many pieces you know, and right. uh, that's really it. Um, yeah. Yeah, because I know what the so you so do you feel that you're you're now being represented in galleries like you've kind of made it to a level that you're happy with? And part of this, I want to kind of bring it back to the like, how did you get started into this? So you know, I mean, you and I have known each other mm-hmm. when in high school because that's when I finally moved back to Michigan. Um, and you'd been in Michigan most of your life, but well, actually all of your life up until that point, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, and so we, we met each other through mutual friends in, in high school and stuff like that. But how did you really get onto this, this path that has led you, you know, up to the, the part of our discussion where we're talking about, you know, evaluating galleries and, and things of that nature? Oh, well, kind of like we said right at the beginning where I'd come to a point, um, it's funny, you know, each decade I sort of feel like of my life, I feel like, um, there's a an evaluation that takes place whether I like it or not. Okay. <laughs> kind of face to face with, okay, a year passes and it's what you notice it. But once those years add up to 10 damn years, a decade, mm-hmm. they have a word for that. You think, 
a little harder <laughs> about what you're doing, you know, and so through my 20s, I just wanted to, you know, travel and I lived in a couple of different places and tried them out and just took like service industry jobs and just got by. But all the while there was like this nagging sort of voice saying, well, I don't know that I want to be doing this for another 10 years kind of thing. So then right around, I was around 28 or so when I moved to New Orleans, and I thought I'd get involved in film work, um, film production work, because I'd always sort of worked in entertainment up to that point. Um, and it's, it seemed like a viable option where you could actually make a good living and and do interesting, unconventional stuff. So I tried that for a couple of years, and, but it didn't really suit me, the, the different things. So I was kind of feeling quite anxious and um, having a lot of conversations with family about my direction and not really sure what was going to happen. And without really planning on, you know, I never said to myself, well, what about art? I could just go and do that. Like, that never happened. I just started doing art kind of as a distraction from, like, these bigger problems uh, when I would have time off from film, which would happen a lot, you know, where you work like crazy for mm-hmm. several weeks and then you don't work at all and you're biting right. your nails wondering when the hell you're going to work again. And so also to kind of stave off that anxiety, I just started doing, I got into the Civil War and I started doing all these portraits of, you know, figures from the Civil War and especially Lincoln and stuff just as a, a little hobby. And then suddenly I had like 20 of these things and we had them hung up all over this house I lived in with four other people in New Orleans. And somebody happened to come by one night that I didn't even know, who was a friend of a friend, and said, hey, you know, my buddy has a gallery, and, you know, he, he'll probably give you a show if, you know, to bring this stuff to him. And so that's when I thought, oh, maybe I should start showing this around. And, and actually, the guy he mentioned was the guy who eventually did give me a show. Okay. <laughs> kind of screwed everything up uh, for a minute, but actually did, in the end, you know, kind of free me from a situation that probably wouldn't have been great in the long run. Anyway, that's sort of how it happened. It was just, I was just doing something as a hobby, mm-hmm. kind of avoiding the bigger problems in my life and doing this other stuff. And then before I knew it, I had a bunch of this stuff. And, and I always just thought at the time, well, maybe I could make a little bit of extra money on the side kind of thing doing this. That's really all I thought at the time. Right. So it's coming from where we, you know, where we came from, I don't know anybody who made a living in art. Like that was, that was like unheard of. I, I mean, did you know anybody that, like anybody's parents that were artists? No, I mean, and and kind of when you pose the question to me, it's like definitely nobody that would fall into the, the professional realm when it came to art. I mean, you, yeah. you knew some people that played you know, some musical instruments and things like that. But I kind of, I feel that's different than, you know, the comparison you're trying to draw. And so, yeah. no, I mean, I, you di- I didn't, well, I mean, I had, an inter- I had kind of an eclectic group of friends. I think we both kind of did in our own way, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, nobody, nobody's, nobody had parents where they were talking about such and such at a gallery or, or anything like that, yeah. right? Well, as I think about it, I can't think of one gallery that I even know <laughs> in Michigan. Like, Agreed. Uh, shoot. You know, I hear Detroit is getting 
you know, very artsy, but I don't I don't know the scene there at all, so I can't say exactly. But yeah, it just seemed like you know very unrealistic. Um, but now, if I could talk to anybody that was like a just starting out, now it's like I know tons of people that make their living and make actually a damn good living. Some of them, holy cow, mm-hmm. um, doing art. So it is totally viable if you, you know, if you go that way, you know, it just it's it can be very hard to start is the only trouble. And they I've heard over and over again that actually, yeah, you know, I don't know how it goes. But anyway, they they would say like, well, actually, being an artist is actually kind of an old person's profession because it just kind of gets easier as you get older, you know, and you do all this, <laughs> you know, you establish yourself and do all this really kind of scary stuff in your younger years. But ideally, you know, once you get your foot in the door, you just kind of keep doing it. And, you know, with time, you, you know, people come to know you and it just, you know, you get more clients built up and then your exposure grows. And ideally into your old age, you are actually then able to, quite well, which is, seems to be the case with some of the artists I know that are, you know, in their 60s and 70s, like, that are, you know, doing quite well. So, I yeah, it's an interesting, yes, it is it's, a viable, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's a viable it's, lifestyle. Well, it's kind of interesting the way you, you lay it out with the, the, the generational portion, because really, I mean, you're talking about you know, personal brand or even a way I think about it, you know, as, as like engineering and project work, it's, it's trust, you know, it's like yeah. in your twenties, you're trying to build up brand or trust or whatever you might want to call it. And then mm-hmm. hopefully by the time you get, you know, 30, 40, something of that nature, you know, now, you know, you've moved past the whole, who's this guy, what's she do? You know, what mm-hmm. do I, you know, and now you've got a brand or trust. And then, like you said, once your foot's in the door, you just kind of repeat you know, rinse and repeat from there. So in order to get, let's say, to just the point of getting your foot in the door or even, or even beyond, what do you think is more important? Is it, is it talent? Is it hard work or just the attitude of the person trying to get to that point? Um, hmm, let's see. Obviously I think all of them are important, but then of course, you know, it's easy, you know, I often joke that the stuff I see in the galleries that I like the least is the stuff that just flies off the wall. So I'm not so sure it's talent. I mean, talent is perhaps, say someone has talent is a matter of opinion, right? So um, I don't know. I mean, obviously there's certain things you look at and it's like, oh yeah, that guy's clearly talented, but um, sellability is, I guess, sort of this, it's a, its own thing. Um, but I would say Basically, it's like a discipline thing that I think is the most important. If you're just talking about, I'm not talking about being an artist because I think that's mm-hmm. different than than making your living in art. <laughs> okay. Because um, there are people that are really just sort of like business people mm-hmm. who have some sort of artistic thing they can do and maybe don't have much talent but are very good at business and can do very well, you know, financially in art. And then conversely, of course, everybody knows about, and and this is so much the case, like people that are vastly talented and and such total artists, you know, Mm -hmm. and don't make hardly any money. 
because right. it's just so not how they're made, you know. They'll sell things for so little that are brilliant, you know. Uh, they're so insecure about money or they don't, you know, it just doesn't process or whatever. So, but I would say if, you, if you're just trying to, you know, if you're just trying to make a living and have like a financial success in art, I would say it'd be the same as any business where you just have to be disciplined about every day, you know, working on it and have your, have your uh, professional goals and, you know, tend to them. Uh, you know, thank, send thank you notes, you know, check in with people, you know, communicate, all that stuff that's important in business. The only difference is that your product is some sort of artistic thing, you know. So you brought up thank you notes. Have you found that to be, you know, effective in the in the world of emojis and texting and, and things <laughs> of that nature? Oh, I believe they are. I don't know. I mean, thank you notes could be a thank you email or, or right. something like that. But I... I mean, you know, uh, to me, I like the tactile uh, thing that exists in the real world. But, I mean, I'm not, I don't go crazy with it, but I just feel like, you know, little things that are easily not done, I believe, are are important. Because, heck, I mean, if I ever get a, anything in the mail, like a little note, that's great. You know, it makes you feel really good. Like, yeah. I figure that other people would would as well. And and ultimately, too, it's it's you got to remember that everybody you're working with is a person, you know, like, right. and you know, they it it's, it matters to people to uh, have little thoughtful things done for them, and so you know, no, I I completely agree. Like it's, it's it's nice to uh, to follow it up because it makes the interaction seem less transactional and more of an yeah, actual yeah, and interaction. Yeah, and it, I mean, it does, it's its so vital, too, like, I mean, because it's all part of, like, when anything sells and somebody buys something I do, that allows me then to do more things and keeps me, you know, alive. Keeps <laughs> so the engine going. I'm very grateful when people, uh, you know, invest in me and uh, then I can, you know, continue to do this. And um, so, yeah, it's um, it's really helpful and it inspires me like you know to do more things like okay great you know that that worked out well so now i'm going to do this a whole bunch of new stuff but you know a good feeling with so. the the business portion that you're talking about as far as the discipline what kind of discipline do you bring to you know that you found really successful within yourself um you know is it things that you do you know every morning or are they just like what are some of those disciplines that, that you see mm. that have really created a lot of value um well professionally just i i find that it's i try to work every day you know every day basically um because i don't have you know like i'm not going to a job every day or whatever um i I have to assign myself, you know, essentially uh, working hours. And I'll admit it's taken a few years to sort of figure out how to how that works. But for me, there's like a period of time. It's usually around the middle of the day where I will set that time that time aside and go into the studio and work, you know. And, and sometimes, honestly, I'll only be in there for an hour and a half or something. Just if it's if that's all it's if that's all I feel that day, then that's all I'll do. That's mm-hmm. not often. I typically work a good four to five hours a day, 
which I find to be a good amount of time to really focus and, and do good work. And sometimes if you stay longer than that, it, it can it can be not so good or whatever. But in general, that's about the time. Sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's shorter. But just to every day go in and and work on it, I think, is really important. Um, but it's also really important, especially when you're trying to establish to, you know, have some sort of list or some sort of time deadline where you deal with things you really don't want to deal with, like, uh, I don't know, applying to art shows or applying to galleries or, or whatever. Um, you got you to gotta do those things in a timely manner. And when somebody responds, but, you know, you got to make yourself reply, you know, that day. Uh, that's what I believe anyway. Um, no, that makes, I, I that makes a lot of sense. Time. Yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 there's been times over the years where I've had people, I've actually gotten them, you know, they'll ask me about getting in somewhere and I'll say, hey, look, there's a gallery that I think would be interested in your work. Um, you send them your work and they oftentimes they don't do it. <laughs> but uh -huh. like I'll check in with them a week later and, and I'll ask if they've done it. And they're like, oh, uh, no, I haven't done that yet. Or whatever, uh, somebody will uh, be interested in their work and say, oh, yeah, have them send me images. Here's a gallery saying, have me, you know, send me images. And uh, why would you send the damn images? Oh, I, I will. And it's like, dude, this is not, <laughs> you, not how you get places, you know, with this. Uh, you have to actually do things um, and talk to people. But no, that makes complete sense. I mean, you have to, you know, it's interesting. The the way you bring it up is if we hadn't been talking about art. But what you described is effectively how you're effective at anything, right? Like, even yeah. when you're in, a, in an office to a certain extent, like, I don't like to do emails sometimes, but I batch them together. So at least mm -hmm. I've got, you know, a couple hours, you know, at different points of the day, you know, it's a total of a couple of hours. And that's when I do it. You know, I just try to mm -hmm. hammer as many out as possible. You figure out which ones take more time. You set those to the side for projects. And yeah, you go totally. forward and then that kind of opens up my ability to, you know, then do something fun and whatever that is in quotations yeah. for fun, you know, but <laughs> now that you've done the, the, the stuff you've effectively, you know, made the sausage, as they say, you know, now you can mm -hmm. actually go and do the part of the job that you, that you truly enjoy. And I think that's a really good point that you bring up that, yeah. you know, you have to set that time aside and even when you don't want to do it. So even like the fun portion, doesn't always feel that way, but you have to go, you have to do it. It's all about uh, just just time under tension, for lack of yeah. a better word. You know, the more you do that, the more you get used to it. And then the less it feels like, you know, in the examples you bring up of like, oh, my God, I've got to get in touch with this person. If you're already kind of in the motion of doing it, like you have that momentum, it just yep. seems like it's a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. I, like I said, I, I feel like definitely. Um, the work I do is very much a business. You know, it just happens that the business is, you know, an art art product, but it could be anything, you know. Um, do you find so, people don't give your business the same respect they would a, like a Silicon startup or, you know, Silicon Valley startup or something of that nature or like a, you know, like a brick and mortar kind of business? Uh, 
I don't know. Perhaps um, the nice thing is because most of the of the business, as far as like the actual sales and stuff, because I mean, most of that goes through the gallery. So okay, I, I don't really hear about the the flaky clients or the, you know <laughs> people that waste their time and and all that. And the funny thing is, I joke like. All I hear is nice things, like, mm-hmm. you know, and I know there's, like, one time I was in the gallery, and I was sitting there, and and somebody had this work in the gallery that's really beautiful portraiture, that's really colorful, and um, I was sitting there, and, and they had done this painting of Einstein, and this couple was looking at it, and, and then the gallerist said, oh, we also have this other painting of Einstein that I had done in black and white, and the woman said, like, yeah, but I don't like that one. That you know, <laughs> and you know, that's in in the in terms of criticism, pretty mild, right? But you know, the point is that it's basically for as much as I know about how people respond to stuff, I can just live in this fantasy world where oh, everybody loves it because you know they're not going to tell me you know these kind of things or I'm sure much worse things. So in that sense, you know. I'm not really living in reality, but it's pretty nice. <laughs> right, right, right. Not hearing nice the bad. Have, nice, nice to have that uh, level of uh, shielding, I guess, which, uh, yeah. you know, may work out <laughs> pretty, pretty well because kind of yeah. as, as you talked about in the beginning, you know, I mean, sometimes the hardest part is knowing that when you get into it, are you going to be faced with a lot of those, you know, hits to the ego? And so if you there's will. ways that you, you can, will. if there's ways you can kind of put some of those automatic defenses in there to where you're like, well, you know, I know they're coming in, but I don't have to deal with them all that often. So that might not be a bad thing either, especially when they're something as simple. And like you said, benign is that example. That's, that's not too terribly bad, but if you get a thousand of those, uh, that, that could be pretty harsh. Yeah. Well, I always think about, there was a time when I, again, when I was first starting, I got this email or I met this, I was out with some friends and some of their friends were there. Okay. And the, some of their friends, this woman I met that evening said, oh, you know, you're an artist. You should talk to my friend who has a gallery, and you'd probably really like this. So and you know, at that point, I thought, okay, you know, anything. And so I reached out to this person, and he was very into the work. And we exchanged some emails, and he said, bring over as many paintings as you can. I really want to see these. And so I loaded up my little sedan. With, they were smaller than the paintings, and I brought him, I think, like, like 20 paintings, you know, and I pull up in front of his gallery and he had like this courtyard in this like, you know, old New Orleans home that was part of was a gallery. It was really neat. He said, oh, wow, look at that. Okay, so just set these up, you know, around, around this courtyard. So I do. And with each one, he's like, wow, I just, how do you do this? I just, I've never seen anything like this. And everything's out. And, he's, and we're sitting down in the middle of the courtyard and he's just looking around and like, I just can't believe this. These are beautiful I can't sell any of these. <laughs> and this is like a moment. I said, you can't sell any of them. That's too bad. He says, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not, and it's not the work. I think the work is great, but the reality is nobody buys portraits. You know, I have, I've got a guy who does these marvelous portraits, you know, and some of those paintings have been sitting in the gallery for years and there's no one will touch them. Just, I'm sorry, but I mean, do you do anything else? And I said, well, no. And in fact, I don't even use color. Like, I do one thing. And so he was really nice. But I left, you know, very deflated, thinking, well, 
and I, I, I feel like this was a crossroads moment because I drove home thinking, well, okay, so I guess these won't sell. So I'll just do them for fun. You know, they won't be something that that makes money. And I, I, so my point is that I feel like you got if you're going to have something like this, I really feel like you have to be prepared for a total bust. <laughs> like you have to love it that much that you will do it whether you make money or not kind of thing because that's the only thing that you will be willing to work hard enough to actually find success um, and not just get burned out along the way. Like, um, again, I say success meaning you'll sell things because obviously there's tons of different kinds of success, but mm-hmm. uh, everybody needs to, you know, have an income, right? So that's important. Um, no, it, it makes sense too. I mean, that's a, that's yeah. a, that's a beautiful story, especially from a crossroads standpoint of you kind of yeah. looked at it and just came to grips with the point of, well, I, I like this. I'm going to keep doing it. So, okay. Yeah, <laughs> just, just be a hobby. It'll be fine. And I'll, maybe I'll try again. And, and I did try again, you know, and then it turned out that actually this thing that everybody, everybody I'd show to, they'd say, well, do you do anything in color? And I always got insecure, like, damn it. No, I don't do anything in color. Do you do anything that isn't portraits? No, I don't do anything that isn't portraits. But I tell you what, I think that ultimately that became a strength, you know, because even though, you know, by and large, people like color. By and large, people don't buy portraits. Um, Some people do. (laughs) And as long as there's some people that are really into black and white stuff and some people that are really into portraits, that's all you need. You know, you don't need everybody who buys art Um, because the other thing is if you're doing other work that's very colorful and isn't portraiture I mean there's 10 bajillion people that are also doing that so then you have the problem of becoming sort of lost in the mix so I don't know it just was I think just very lucky uh, for sure but anyway there's all these things you can't really know you know until after the fact right yeah well i think it's also interesting when you talk about that like you 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 saw it as a hobby but you didn't really poke at it like a hobby you know like somebody who kind of picked it up and and you know did it for a little bit and and i'm sure that might have been the way it felt at the time but you know the perception i get from looking at what you have done i mean this is something that even if it started as a hobby you took it as a very serious hobby i mean oh yeah is that basically how you kind of moved forward with it was like, okay, well, if it's a hobby, I'm at least going to give it some level of effort. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I wanted to like take ownership with some creative project, you know, or some creative direction. So I, I always enjoyed playing music and I always enjoyed, you know, doing portraiture and I sort of made a decision that, that I would, pursue the artistic stuff, uh, you know, and, and really develop that. And that would be the thing I would really try to to, uh, to run with. So what I, what I learned was that when you, when you are disciplined about that, um, you really pro- progress, right? You could spend 10 years kind of noodling at something and like I do on the guitar, and I haven't gotten any better at the guitar in 10 years. Mm-hmm. But if I decided I'm going to go out and, you know, I really want to make this guitar my profession. So I would take, you know, I'd get some lessons. I'd be practicing every day. And, of course, I'd be getting much better. Mm -hmm. Um, So just the act of having 
not the access, just the um, opportunity to work on this every day for several hours uh, every day consistently over time, you know, you make, you will make progress and you will grow and your work will start to go in different directions just sort of organically uh, and perhaps more dramatically if you're, you know, given to really shaking things up and changing things. But um, it takes on its own life just from um, going there every day and doing it. That's a, such an important thing, I think, with an art, an artist or a musician or anything is, is to remain active in it each day. With So it's kind of interesting when you talk about the, you know, nobody liked portraits and nobody liked black and white. And then mm -hmm. going to your Instagram page, I believe it's your most recent or one of the most recent. I mean, you have a black and white portrait that's in the, it's the Four Seasons in Austin, correct? Yeah, yeah. So kind yeah. of uh, kind of an interesting uh, somebody in a courtyard saying, no, ain't going to happen. And <laughs> now you have a piece in, in full display in a, in a Four Seasons, a very, you know, well-known yeah. and reputable hotel. Um, in the Austin area. I mean, does it, does it kind of make it feel like, you know, the, the, I don't want to say things have come all the way around to the beginning, but I mean, what, what kind of a level of accomplishment did, did that feel like when you could finally, you know, have somebody, you know, want to post it there, show it, oh. you know, and, and from where, you know, you came from, from the courtyard. Well, honestly, funny enough, when I found out that they went to the four seasons, I, I said, what is the four seasons? You know, I've heard of that. Is that like a, what is that? You know, and they said, Aaron, Four Seasons. It's like, you know, it's a big deal. And I said, okay. And it was beautiful when I went there. And yeah, I, I was, I am proud of that. And it's really, it's, it's a real com compliment, you know, like to the work. Um, but I think the person who said, you know, no one buys portraits. I think had I shown there, no one would have bought them, you know, like, I think, especially with art, so much is, you know, like any business, they say, you know, the location of of what you're trying to do, you know. So I could have given them work like I have now. And, yeah, uh, like, you know, my, my new work that sells, sells very well uh, in my location now. And he probably wouldn't be able to sell it very well there because his gallery was small and you know quirky and you really didn't, you weren't able to really get much distance on the work uh, from it from the work um whereas the place that i'm in now at angela king gallery in new orleans is it's like you know there's just light flooding in you know and it's got these beautiful tall ceilings and marble floors and it's just i mean you put anything on the wall in there and it looks amazing so that is like I can't overstate how important that is to have your work shown off um, well. Um, you know, and the people that work there are, are um, you know, wonderfully professional and and attentive and all that. So it's just like that is that is so important. And uh, they also, when you're talking about galleries, part of what you're looking for with the gallery is who comes to the gallery. You know, like what is their, oftentimes they'll have established clients that come to every opening or at least are informed of every opening. And, you know, who are these folks? And, you know, basically that, like the people that I would want to have 
knowing about my work and stuff. So, you know, this place has been around for decades, like 30 years. You know, they've been here a good long time. They've got a ton of clients, and they're right in the middle of a place where millions of people pass every year coming to the French Quarter. So the whole thing with this this sale was, I believe they they are their one of their clients is uh, a decorating firm that works with like the Four Seasons and other places. So you know they never would have seen my work if I had been showing in even say a gallery right down the street if they weren't you know connected to this actual design company. You know, it's, it's doubtful they would just have happened to walk in. You know, so that's how that kind of thing happens. Yeah, that's uh, that, why that, gallery placement is so important. You know. Yeah, and that's and that's actually quite interesting. It's it's you know when I and I'm glad you brought that up because when I thought gallery, I kept thinking of the the physical geographic location, but it's really like how much of a of a node is it to yeah. people coming and going, and who else do they know? And, yeah. and those connections that actually take place. Yes, and they're they're the ones, you know, pretty much every gallery will tell you, like, well, you know, we just want you to do the work. Do the work, bring it in, and we will handle all of the business, right? So it's actually quite nice because the business in terms of, you know, how you sell art can become quite a heavy burden. <laughs> And it's not to say like every so often, you know, I get clients that I will work with, but it's most of the time it's it's the galleries that are finding, you know, the clients. And it is such a weight off, you know, because meanwhile they're working behind the scenes, you know, sending people reminders, you know, taps on the shoulder, you know, oh, you know, this painting mm-hmm. you're interested in, whatever. Um, so you don't have to worry about doing that, which would take up a lot of time. I mean, I... I wouldn't be averse to doing that, but I I don't miss doing that. You know, like <laughs> that's fair. It's, yeah, it's more time to do the things that I actually, you know, am more yeah. interested in doing. So. Play play to your strengths, as they say, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I I I don't. I mean, I could enjoy talking to you all day long, but I want to be you know respectful of your time since I know you've got oh, some sorry. dedicated time that's slotted out to to do your craft, but um how can people you know follow your work what are good ways to stay in touch with you reach out you know how do you how how can people find you on those magical interwebs that we have uh, these days well i admit i am not as good about keeping up with that stuff but i try to keep my website updated which is just my name you know aaronrice.com mm-hmm. and then i have i have a facebook which i think i updated <laughs> about once a year, <laughs> a <bunch of> new <laughs> stuff. and then I have my Instagram, which I do update more regularly. I guess it's probably the one I update the most at this point. It's my Instagram page, but uh, in terms of getting reminders, but most consistently it's just my website, you know. And then my website has an email on there if anyone has any questions or whatever. But um, yeah, I admit, I admit I'm not terribly good with the social media stuff no, one uh, one of the business tools that I don't use as well as I should I suppose completely understood and I'll uh, I'll look to put some links to all of that stuff in the show notes so people can okay. uh, quickly Thank reach you. over to you and stuff like that but you know I, I I really appreciate this time I'm definitely going to uh, 
make sure I reach out to you and uh, stay in touch a little bit more than we have over the past years. And uh, okay. I definitely, I definitely want to come down to that New Orleans area. You can uh, show me around, and uh, and yeah, that'd be that would be a lot of fun. I haven't been down in that area in probably ten, twelve years, so I'll be really interested to see how it's changed. Oh my God, it's changed so much. That's funny because that's basically when I moved here was. It wasn't quite 12 years ago, but it was certainly 11. And boy, it's changed. Wow. So you must have come down either right before or right after Katrina. It was, yeah, it was definitely a little ways before it was. uh, Oh, it was was like a a business trip kind of deal when I first got started. Just Mm -hmm. down, passing through real quick. uh, Saw another facility that uh, we were bringing online over in uh, Alabama. And so, yeah, I was just, you know, pretty close. So we went over and, you know, did the Bourbon Street kind of deal, which uh, right. I don't get me wrong. I know that's probably <laughs> a terrible, terrible representation to walk well, you away gotta from. you got to do it. But, <laughs> I mean, you know, you got to get that check in the box somewhere, right? So, yeah. So we did that. But, no, I would definitely look forward to coming down and spending uh, some more time in the French Quarter and actually with somebody that uh, that knew what they were talking about. So. So we'll definitely yeah, stay well, stay in touch through throughout the time. Again, I really, really thank you for your time and you know being so open with the conversation. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a pleasure to uh, reconnect, man. I was touched that you reached out to me about this, so thank you. Yeah, not a problem. Well, enjoy the enjoy the rest of your day, and um, when this gets released, I'll definitely let you know. All right, sounds good. I look forward to it. All right, thanks, Aaron. Take thanks, care of yourself. Matt. Take care. Bye-bye. Just simply wow. That was an awesome conversation with Aaron. I definitely invite you guys to check out his work. I'm going to have all the links in the show notes below. If you like this show, please leave a review, a like, five stars. It would mean a lot to me, especially with kicking off my new podcast. Give me a follow over at LinkedIn at Matt Devitt, as well as Twitter and Instagram at at Devitt Matt. So until next time, keep growing on your journey from dawn till dusk.